The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, it's almost a week after that first Monday in May when the world goes mad for the Met Ball. The big news this year, as she has been for nearly every year she attended the Met Ball, is Kim Kardashian in a dress worn by Marilyn Monroe when she sang Happy Birthday to JFK in 1962. However... And here's the issue. Kim announced she had lost an excessive amount of weight to fit into that dress in just three weeks by eating one food mainly, is what she said. Joining me this morning is Jane O'Toole from Real Nutrition. She is a certified nutritionist and coach who's setting out to educate and support people in a world where diet culture is just a daily conversation. And you're very welcome to this Sunday Real Jane. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's fantastic to be here. So... What like this kind of is a story that trickled. First, we saw Kim in this phenomenal dress. It was gorgeous um, with lots of history behind it. And then we started to hear this conversation about tomatoes and <laughs> the way she had to eat for three weeks. How? Wh- what did you think when this star- story started to come out? I think yeah, it's it's if it wasn't so shocking, it would almost be humorous, you know. But um, um what Kim chooses to do to her body really is Kim's prerogative. The big mm-hmm. problem with this is putting it out in the public, you know, and promoting what is basically a very disordered relationship with food. Mm-hmm. It is very unhealthy. Um, method of fat loss to lose that amount of weight in such a short period of time and utilizing the methods that she did is really promoting such an unhealthy message to the public and she is someone with a big influence oh, massive influence. a very big influence yeah like there's so and, many things in our lives that have been influenced by the kardashians and not all good i'm even thinking of their you know, they were into that waist training and stuff even a few years ago, you know? They are unfortunately within themselves, I think, a product of diet culture. Mm. And they, the fact that they believe they have to filter everything, shrink to fit in, to address into society, to to create this image, it really shows how misguided they are mm. in relation to what is healthy, what is positive. The fact that Kim spoke about this proudly, mm. like it was something to be applauded, that she was so disciplined to be able to stick to this, is really concerning. She seemed oblivious to the ramifications of the message that she was putting out there. And I'm just really impressed that the media this time around are not glamorizing or applauding this and that the conversations that are being had are recognising how unhealthy this message is mm. and the influence it can have on disordered eating yeah, behaviours. I'm, I'm definitely so thankful for that as well because um, I think this is a discussion that needs to be had because when I was a teenager, when stars said things like that, there was no social media commentary to start this discussion to say that that was wrong. I would have taken that as fact and, you know, as a way to lose weight quickly. And therein lies the problem. Even now, as not a teenager, I'm thinking, wow, you know, three weeks only. Whereas I know in the back of my mind, that is madness. Absolute madness. It's given people completely unrealistic expectations Mm. of of weight loss and it's not giving people the full picture of what's happening within her body to lose that amount of weight in such a short period of time you are not just losing body fat you are losing water you can lose muscle Mm -hmm. there are so many other 
other things to consider in this and in reducing and restricting food so significantly and cutting out entire food groups Mm -hmm. for that period of time can lead to malnutrition, mineral deficiencies, electrolyte imbalances. Most people who follow Kim do not have her resources, you know, the medical support, the Mm -hmm. finances to keep check on her on their health Mm -hmm. they really don't and that's what's really scary is that these followers these young people will have this opinion that they can lose weight so quickly or they should be able to and if they cannot lose weight like that then they have somehow failed and that perpetuates even further negative mindsets and thinking and low body image and it becomes a merry-go-round in ways yeah is what Kim has done over the last three weeks and her you know, the subsequent pizzas and donuts that she admitted and put up on her Instagram to having after the Met was over and that event was over. Is that an extreme version of what you see people do in their diet experience? That short amount of time and then not even back to normal, but looking forward to the, I don't even want to say bad because no food is bad, but you know what I mean? Well, it really does kind of bring about that dichotomous thinking that good, bad labeling around food, Mm. which isn't very healthy for long term sustainable goals. And it basically is when one of the biggest precipitating factors for binging episodes or overeating is excess hunger and restriction. Mm -hmm. If you are limiting yourself of foods you enjoy excessively and then you are extremely hungry, you are more inclined to binge and to overindulge more mindlessly, which then again just perpetuates and that cycle again of mm. over of undereating, restricting, and then overeating. And I see this a lot with clients and with people that I would communicate to online and would reach out to me around getting caught in that all or nothing cycle of excessive restriction throughout the week. And then the treat yourself mentality kicks in at the weekend, but it becomes mindless and they eat and drink with abandon because mm. They are in that mindset of I've been good all week, so I deserve a treat instead of striking more of a balance where you've got unconditional permission to eat all of the foods, a variety of food, you know, and you've also got unconditional permission to say no, you know, Mm. and that is what I try to foster with my clients is to break away from the restriction mindset, the all or nothing mindset and find a more flexible balance that will work within their lifestyle. Mm. Another issue, and I wonder if you see it as well, is the idea of an event. Um, And and Kim, again, is an extreme case because I often think, well, why didn't she just wear the dress? You know, she looks fabulous anyway, but she has the media to deal with and, and commentators. But there is this whole idea that you have to fix your body to look a certain way. In Kim's case, it was for the Met Ball. But like for weddings, well, you might look four years later, you're, you know, back to normal, looking your own self. So that idea that you have to fix yourself for big events, is that a hard one to unpack with clients and, and people in general? It really can be, and it really depends on people's history and experiences. Mm. But there is this massive influence that we need to shrink to fit, Mm -hmm. shrink to fit into an outfit, shrink to look our best for an event, shrink to fit into society. And it's a really unfortunate diet culture undertone that our bodies need to be fixed to fit this societal ideal, whatever it is, and each generation, because it constantly changes, um, that we need to be this way and fix ourselves to fit in and to be accepted. And no matter 
how well you can talk about this or learn about it or recognize that it may not be true. It's very hard to shake when it's been ingrained Mm. over years and years of media, of advertising. You know, advertising wants us to believe we need to change ourselves, Mm. you know, to be leaner, to buy this cream, buy this product, do this thing. And unfortunately, those in those messages bombarding us over the years make it really difficult to break away from this idea that we have to change ourselves to fit in. So how do we do it then, Jane? How do we gain food freedom in a world obsessed with diet culture? And I'm not saying everyone is obsessed with it. You know, it is, you know, it's like anything, like some people can lean towards it being an obsession. But, you know, food freedom is something we all should have, isn't it? It really is. It's like something that should be, you know, just within us all, like relearn how to tune more into our bodies and our needs, which fortunately modern life has has taken away from us in a lot of ways with this fast society, fast food, everything's fast, quick fixes. You know, it's very difficult to break away from. And it's really, I think, really important to try to step away from those more rigid rules, you know, really focus on health-seeking behaviours. Health-seeking behaviours are more associated with sustainable progress. Focusing more on moving out of an appreciation and love of your body. Focusing on nourishing your body well with wholesome foods. Mm -hmm. Not avoiding, limiting or restricting, but focusing on what you can do, what you can add to your life that's going to improve your health. Really aligning with your why behind the actions you take. If you're trying to shrink your body to fit into a dress or because you don't feel worthy, that's not really aligning with your values in a way that's going to help you support that in a sustainable way long term Mm -hmm. because it's all from a negative place. But if you can align with having more compassion for yourself and wanting to make positive change because you want to thrive into older age, you want to build more muscle, you want to be healthy, have good digestion, you want to run around with your kids more and be fit, you know, you want to run around with your grandkids more. And so you are aligned with wanting to support your health for reasons that are more valuable to your intrinsic goals. Mm. And I think that's really, really important to think about is your why behind the changes that you're making. Is it really serving health, your physical and mental health? And changing your body because you want to fit into society or address is going to be something that will never end. Mm. It's a it's a vicious cycle. And that's what I find with a lot of people who are caught in diet culture and yo-yo dieting is it's all or nothing constantly. It's this cycle that is just perpetuating low body image. It's perpetuating this fear that you are never enough and you cannot be fixed. And by focusing more on tuning into your body, your hungerfulness cues, focusing more on nourishing your body well with wholesome foods in what you can add to your life to improve your health. That does not mean you cannot want to lose body fat for health and to be fitter. That's absolutely fine. But it's doing it with managed expectations and with kindness towards yourself and choosing to do it from a place of wanting to nourish your body well and be healthy. Mm. Like as you said at the start, it's great that we're having this this discussion because of what Kim said that she did in order to fit into a dress. But would you like to see a world where we don't have those discussions where, you know, you know that we see there's more visibility of people of all sizes? 
Yes, I do believe that it's really valuable. That's another point I would say to people if you're finding social media and media, your feed, um, really go through and filter your social media feed and the messages that you look at. Go seeking more body positive sites and more like, you know, really, really add diversity to your feed, you know, Mm. and more minorities and really go in there and curate that feed for yourself that's going to bring about more positivity um, and create less triggering. And I believe that it would be great if these conversations did not have to be had, Mm. you know, but unfortunately in this day and age, I think it's really, really valuable that the media are trying to highlight the fact that this message in particular was negative. I don't believe this should be people all jumping on an attack for on Kim Kardashian. I think it's more highlighting the fact that she is a product of this society totally. as well. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. so this shouldn't be a hunt on her. No. It should be recognizing that she is obviously struggling in this way too uh-huh. and a product of it. Yeah, totally. Well, some really good points there. Really great to talk to you, Jane. Jane is on Instagram. It's Jane Real Nutrition. If you want to search her out on Instagram, she also has a program called Empower One to One. Some great stuff there as well. And some really great points on your Instagram as well, Jane. A a video about the whole telling people they look great if they've lost weight. Loads of stuff on there. Jane Real Nutrition, if you want to check her out. And thanks a million for joining me on the Sunday Grill this morning. Thank you so much for having me on. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and we are going to chat head towards Enniscorthy now where writer and comedian Anne Gildy is bringing her new show How to Get the Menopause and enjoy it to the Presentation Centre in Enniscorthy on May 21st. It's sold out in Dublin and had an extended run as well and Anne joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning with more. How are you Anne? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Good stuff. You've a treat in store at the Presentation Centre. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've never been there. I was calling Wexford Art Centre and then they're getting done up or whatever. So they've shifted over the venue to um, the Presentation Centre. But it's in a church, is it? Yeah, it's really lovely. I think you're going to really enjoy it there. And then Scorthy is a bit of a hidden gem as well. So have potter around the town. It's really cute. I think I've driven through it and uh, yeah, it's very picturesque, yes, isn't it? Yes, it's it's Colum Tobin from there. That is exactly where Colum Tobin is from. Yeah, I think I know because isn't, doesn't he kind of set his, with that novel there? Yeah, the Brooklyn. One about your yeah, woman. Brooklyn yeah. started in Enniscorthy yeah. and then they had It starts in, in Enniscorthy, yeah. There you yeah. go, there you go. Okay, yeah. so tell me why we're talking about the menopause on, you know, at, at an age where we're not thinking about the menopause, obviously you are, but there's a generation of women who you know, we don't really talk about it. It's a bit more open these days. Well, you talk about a younger generation not talking about it, but the older generation didn't talk about it either. Mm. My mom certainly never talked about it. And all my girlfriends never really talked about it. And the only reason I know about it is that it was during lockdown and I'd had this comedy act called The New Liz. It was musical comedy. We'd stopped performing and I was going, I need to write a new show. And it was my boyfriend who said to me, <laughs> I know, came from him. He said, why don't you do a show on the menopause? <laughs> okay. And I oh, and I started research. This is two years ago. Okay. This is before Davina and before the whole expose on Joe Duffy and uh-huh. everything. And it was kind of a zeitgeist thing in a way that he said that because it's suddenly become big news. I couldn't believe, Orla, when I started reading about it all, I didn't know. And I, 
and stuff that I should know how important HRT can be. And have you what experienced it means to the menopause or had you just kind of preempted it? Or Oh, no. I, I had had breast cancer, so I realised that the chemotherapy had plunged me into the okay. menopause and it had never been mentioned. And then I kind of backtracked a bit and I went, oh, loads of things made sense. And then I went on HRT. And the reason I went on HRT is for long-term health. And that's why I think it's so important for younger women to know about it. And because perimenopause, that's when the hormones start, your body stops producing them. Mm -hmm. Perimenopause can start any time from your mid-30s to your late 40s. And that's why we're talking to you this morning, because your show is obviously attracting a certain age group of women. But even you say yourself that it, it, it... younger women should be coming to see it as well I think younger women should be coming to see it one because it just um it just tells you a lot about the body and how the female body works and what those hormones do as I say in the show the best definition of menopause I ever came across was that it's reverse puberty okay. that all those hormones you know that went into our body that our body started producing when we were 11 or 12 and changed us all completely your body suddenly stops producing them okay. and it's amazing that women don't know more about what's going to happen to the body when that happens and then they think oh I'm getting depressed or oh, I have no energy or oh, there's something else wrong and they're going in and out to the doctor about this that the other and in fact it's all linked to being in what's known as perimenopause which is when that begins to happen and I don't know if you watched Davina McCall's program that was just on but there was American researchers who were saying that you know menopause really affects the female brain and they were shown scans where the brain energy really contracts in the in the female brain during menopause and uh, during perimenopause and if you start taking HRT early on when as soon as you recognize the symptoms it can really keep your brain hell going i know when it's younger you don't i know when i was a younger woman like i would see shows like women on the verge of hrt Mm. and i go oh god who'd want to go and see that Mm. you know the whole idea of menopause was the idea of a festering older lady sweating in the corner um but in fact it's just it's really it's a real practical thing to just know know what your body's about. And you know? is that you know you're a comedy a comedian and you're a writer. You know it is a a show that's fun. But are you are you trying to educate as well as entertain? Um, I have information in there, but my whole thing is make people laugh. Okay. I mean, and I think people really need a bloody laugh after mm. the lockdown and everything. So my whole thing is spinning it all towards a laugh the whole time but it's on the basis of a lot of solid information so I was watching Davina's program then and was going it, it she just touches on on everything you know all the essential stuff that we you know women don't really know mm. and uh, and so I, I touch on all those elements but I'm also talking about what it was like for my generation Irish women <laughs> I grew up in rural Sligo on a farm and uh, what it was like growing up and the whole approach to puberty and everything oh, yeah. I talk about having periods and and uh, the, our sanitary products back then which seem archaic mm. now and uh, uh, the laughter from the older women is is amazing the <laughs> laughter of recognition but it was actually Katie Hayes in the in the Sunday in the in the, in the Irish Indo um, she said oh younger women should go and see this show if you want to know what's going on in your mum's head uh, what's going on in the secret life of your auntie Go and see the show. So, While having a uh, laugh as well, obviously. Well, why having a laugh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, 
the whole raison d'etre at the end of the day. Definitely. You know? Do you find that attitudes around women and how our bodies change has changed in general, those attitudes? Well, I think it's really changed with the menopause. And I think up until yesterday, I would say it was still a lot of secrecy around it. And here's a funny thing. What happened was Davina McCall did uh, a documentary on on the menopause Mm. and then it was so popular she'd just done another one. Mm. And then um, Joe Duffy, people were calling into Joe Duffy. So he dedicated two weeks of his Mm. radio show to women talking about the menopause. So what has happened is that loads of women are realising that they should go on HRT because there was this feeling that, oh, it's linked to breast cancer or something. Um, And now there's a huge... (laughs) There's a huge shortage of HRT. Okay, it's so like it's, anything, it's, isn't it? Once one person has the courage to speak yeah. up and say, this is how I'm yeah. feeling, and Davina yeah. McCall is one of those people, it starts, you know, it's that really, you, you need to feel that you're not alone in this experience. Yeah, it just feels like the time is right, but it's so funny at the moment because there's a huge shortage of HRT and you just see on Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups, people going, would you have a spare? Would you have a spare Easter gel, would you? I I was just in Portugal and I got a a Portuguese version of it. So I was just sharing that going, you can get this in Portugal. (laughs) So is this a one woman show then, Anne? Yeah, it's a one woman show. Uh, It's me. Um, chatting to the audience well it's me but and then it's the whole audience because they really keep a conversation going and uh, I've just had fantastic feedback really just try and create an eye of real dialogue with the audience and real laughter Fab. Know, around the female body and then and are the, the Nulas back up yeah. and running after the pandemic not no, after we, the pandemic do you know what mm. we, we've been going for so long and um and then Sue my friend Sue, who we were always at the Nulas together, there was a, a it was a, the Nulas was a trio, but there was two of us. Me and Sue Collins always kept it going, and we the third Nula was a bit like the drummer in Spinal Tap. Okay. Uh, it was always <laughs> a bit like one and, of the members of Destiny Child. There's always a new one, is there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that is it exactly. There's always one disappearing okay. somewhere. <laughs> but uh, she set up a group called the Dirtbirds. She oh, I a, love um, them. Love them. Yes. Yes. People so are always Sue's sending me their the videos. Okay. Yeah. So they really took off. So that's why I thought, oh, I, uh, so that's why I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll, um. And you weren't tempted I'll to just... be a dirt bird. Well, no, I wasn't asked. Um, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> oh, don't start all it. Don't start. Really, showbiz is so cruel. It's so, there's a saying, there's a saying in showbiz that I always makes me laugh. It's, Forgive and remember. Um, <laughs> we can all do a um, bit of that. Yeah. So, but no, the no, she had been writing with um, um Sinead Cuthbert and um, the so they 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 they're they're mums too. Their whole ah, the okay. Dirtbirds thing is very much about mums and yes, that whole. Yes, it is. Yeah, I randomly get sent their videos. I've had children myself, you know. I, I, I along the way, Orla, I discovered that I actually couldn't have children. Okay. Because I'm too selfish. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, what can you do? What can you do? So you're doing this instead. And this show oh, well, is called... Well, that's the great thing. I thought, okay, I can't talk about kids. But what's the thing every woman has? It's universal. It's menopause. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, even younger girls, come on down. Come on down and find out what's in store for you. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> You're making it a little bit sinister. Um, but it is called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It. What do you enjoy about the menopause? 
Uh, I enjoy the sharing. There's this okay. amazing group called the Irish Menopause. Uh, it's called the Irish Menopause. It's a Facebook group run by this amazing woman called okay. Sally Ann Brady. And I love going on there. It's like, oh, it's there's 32,000 wow. women in the So group. it's your tribe and almost. The, the, it's a tribe. And I love doing the show because I've literally had women from... I've, I've um, from early 20s to in their 80s. I've had women in the early 80s along and just the chat after is unbelievable. I, I, I really wanted to have a conversation going after lockdown. Lockdown was so isolating. I thought I want to do something that's funny, that has content and that there's a great chat afterwards. So I come out and have a great laugh with the ladies after. Brilliant. And, uh, and, and then, I have a funny feeling you're great. Come- at the chatting Anne after talking to you there. Um, it's so nice to talk to you. And your show is called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It. It's at the Presentation Centre in Enniscorthy. It's on on May 21st. Uh, the website is presentationcentre.ie if you want to book tickets there. And Anne Gildy, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Ola, thanks so much for having me on. Ladies, I look forward to seeing you all there. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks a million. Okay. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, some of the Southeast much-loved tourist attractions get the TV treatment tonight uh, with Are We There Yet? with Kira and John on Virgin Media. They're on tonight from 6pm. Kira and John are Kira Whelan and John Slattery and along with their three children, they head to the sunny Southeast and in particular Waterford to experience what we have to offer and they join me this morning. You're very welcome. How's it going? Good morning. And I'm sure at some stage, oh, there they are. Your children as well will join us. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) The realities, eh? Lads, I feel I've been watching you both online and on television for years. And I was in a chipper in Tinnahili on Sunday night uh, watching your Newbridge um, episode when you headed to Newbridge House. And there was three children all of a sudden. Yes. I know. Yeah, people yeah. used to ask years ago if we were a couple. We're certainly not a couple anymore. There's five of them now. Yeah. And so, they're all women, by the way. Yes. So you very much are outnumbered, John, aren't you? Yeah, even the cat's female in our family. <laughs> and that suits you, does it? No, I've no choice. <laughs> Let's just be. So how have things gone, guys? Like, how was your pandemic for two people who are used to traveling and you know, uh, reviewing places. What were you doing during the pandemic? We were walking that five kilometers like you wouldn't <laughs> believe it, Orla. <laughs> and you know what? It wasn't actually a bad thing. I Like we did manage to find walks that we had never done before. So I think, I suppose this is what the, the show was about. You don't, you don't have to go big, you know, you can, you can have the, the best kind of experiences, you know, doing the most simple things. You've traveled abroad with your travel show. Ireland, yeah, I suppose, so, suits you, does it, as a family of five now? Um, I, I, I think it just kind of happened that we ended up doing it around Ireland, to be honest with you. Because we, when we did the holiday show, which is on, on TV3 for mm. a good few years, we got to travel all over. Like, I think we did, like, something like 20, 20 different, wow, uh, 30 different um, destinations. But I, th- I, think, I think we did some Irish ones. But I just think this one kind of, it kind of found it, it to be honest with you, it was almost like what we were going to do next, especially when we had three kids. First of all, would we, would we have to hide them away or would we give them to other people to go away? So the, it was organic, you know, in terms of just, you know, the next kind of phase in our life is bringing the kids with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hell of a lot easier to throw them into the car than it is to make yeah. your way yeah, to the airport. Have you done the airport experience yet with three children? Actually, 
The last trip we did just before lockdown, um, I, I think it's hilarious. We got through security in Dublin Airport and uh, someone was checking our boarding passes and looked. they looked at where we were going and, and we were off to Singapore and Thailand and she just wow. looked at the boarding passes and just said, good luck. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> you went to Singapore and, Ch- and Thailand with your children? Yeah, three of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Very it was great. And you know, it was fun. And that's one of the things I think that we have learned in terms of what we do uh, is is I, th- I think you can think too much about going away, especially with kids, and you can stress mm. about it. And it's like, oh my god, I, I, our our big message for anybody out there, the thing they're doing something with the kids is just go do it. Because mm-hmm. the more you think about it, the more problems you can put in front of you. And we did go to Thailand. We we flew to Singapore. You know, we stayed in Singapore for three days, and then we flew on to Thailand, and we came all the way back. Long flights, but it was actually fine. Mm-hmm. You know, once you kind of prep yourself and you're prepared and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, was that your biggest worry when you were going abroad, going on to a flight? I think you can stress about it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the kids were fine. Do you know what? I have, a, I have a bit of a hint for, for people. Our kids don't watch a huge amount of screen time. So when we got onto the plane, they were hooked 12 hours straight. They well, were looking brilliant. at those TV screens. So take it away from them for a while, you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's head back to Ireland <laughs> and to the southeast. And it's Washford that you're heading to. Um, tell us about some of the places that you experienced in Washford. And um, when I was watching you last week on the telly, like obviously children are incredibly honest and you do get honesty from your kids and how they feel about things and what amazes them and what bores them. So it must be a different experience doing it with children and thinking they'll love this. What did they love in Washford? I think, I think Bo, our eldest, loved the medieval museum in Waterford City. And And what age is Bo? She's eight, you know. Do you know, Waterford's one of those weird ones. I, I've been lucky enough to do some stuff with Visit Waterford over the last while, mm. you know, tourism videos and that, because we produce videos as well. And I just I just think Waterford was, is, is one of those undiscovered gems, mm, you know definitely. what I mean? Because it's, it's got mountains, it's got coasts, it's got the greenway, it's got the city and stuff like that. And we went down there with the kids. There was just such a vast array of stuff that we could do. And I think we kind of, we went glamping, we we went to the beach, we were in, what, we were doing stuff in Waterford City, even walking around Waterford City, I looking at the murals that, and actually. stuff like that. I loved walking around the city. And then within 15 minutes, you know, we were driving out and we were horse riding oh, yeah. on the beach. Mm. Like, um, I feel bad actually putting Waterford into the show because I feel like <laughs> it's such a hidden gem. I don't want to ruin it for the people of Waterford, you know. Like, oh my but I suppose yes, it did win the Irish Times Best Place to Live in Ireland last year. So I think the news is out. So you're just yeah. promoting <laughs> that news now. Is a car essential for you on trips? Could you not do it without a car? I, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it is. I love this. It's easy. It, yeah. yeah, it's easier in a car, but... I do like an L challenge or whatever. And you might have just given me an idea to do stuff. Could you do the same sort of a thing via train and yeah, bus? Via Irish <laughs> train and bus. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you know you could? Well, we have, you know, that's funny. We haven't done that yet. Hmm. Train journeys are pretty nice with the kids, actually. Yeah. yeah. That Is that one of the things, though, that we think kids would love that? And within 10 minutes, they're bored out of their minds, you know? Well, actually, one of the things we did in Waterford as well was the Shore Valley uh, Railway. And we were only on that for half an hour. That was a blaze, our youngest, who's three. It was like all her dreams had come true. And we weren't doing anything. She was just standing up looking out the window. And all she went, I I love trains. I love trains. And getting to wave at everyone as they wander by on the greenway as well. And everyone, yeah. But that's another example of what Waterford has. That 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 little train station, you know, the railway, it's just fab Mm. right along the greenway. And 
you know, even when I went down there first uh, a year or two ago, you know, the Coomera Mountains, like, wow. Mm. You know, just it's just got everything water. You I sound like very a, strangely done. Is it not the Coomera Mountains? Yeah, it's what is it? I was going to let what you go it? with that one, but it is the Coomera Mountains, I'm afraid. Coomera, sorry. <laughs> I think he's trying to be posh or something. He's from Kildare. You'd have to forgive him. <laughs> so this episode is Washford and then your home county of Kildare. John, is that a weird one trying to find things to do in Kildare, do you know, like the back of your hand? You've hit a nail on the head. I think I think a lot of people kind of kind of don't even look at their own county mm. when they live in it. Mm-hmm. So I'd never been to the, I don't think it's in this episode, but it's, it's in one of the other episodes, the Irish National Stud, or yes. we go to a steam museum, which is literally, uh, no word of a lie, it's 15 minutes from where I grew up in Straffin. And that's just, like it was like, we walked in, it was like, holy moly. <laughs> And actually, that's one of the things I didn't think the kids would get anything out of. And they loved it. So you don't really know what to expect when you're mm-hmm. bringing kids to places, which, again, I think is nice. Uh, nice, uh, nice and not so nice sometimes because <laughs> they do kind of, you know, they, they, the one thing that the, and I think the one thing that the show does is it is completely real because you cannot get kids to do something yeah. they don't want to do. And I saw that long, last and week they when they were in Newbridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. It's, they will tell you, and and it's 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 the stuff they come out with. You couldn't write the script. Do you know what I mean? In in terms of what they say in the car, what they say at locations. <laughs> and just come back to Waterford, was there anything that just blew the three of them? Because they're what eight down to three, so very different ages and different attractions. Is there something that the three of them just adored? Um. That's a good question. I got to think about that one. Do you know one. what they loved, actually? The, the birds of prey. Was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so again, yeah, the kids are eight, six and three and we headed out to Mayfield, birds of prey. And I didn't think, actually, I thought they were going to be a bit like myself and be petrified. Mm. Um, but they weren't. They got so much out of it. Like Bo, our eldest, she was asking all the questions. Um, you know, all the information you're getting about the specific birds. was It's just fascinating. And even the three-year-old standing there, you know, taking it all in, which, yeah, it was amazing. And as yeah. well as that, it was very much hands-on. Like we were holding the birds, flying the birds and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it was just really, 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 really good. I, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, God. You went all yeah. over the county from Port Law back into the city and everything. And um, people can see it tonight, though. It's Virgin Media 1. And you've got two episodes in Washford and Kildare as well. But tonight, Virgin Media 1 um, at 6 p.m. And you can watch Kira and John's adventures in Washford. It is called Are We There Yet? If you want to check it out. Thanks a million for joining me, Kira and John. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning here on Beat 102-103 and you are listening to The Sunday Grill and it's an exciting week starting tomorrow in schools across Ireland. Creative School Week kicks off tomorrow. The theme of this year's celebration of creativity is Creativity Lives Here. And to tell us more, Mags Walsh from the Arts Council is on the phone. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Orla. And an exciting week, um, not just for primary schools, it's for schools across the board, is that right? Everybody, it's for primary schools, post-primary schools, special education settings and youth week settings as well. Okay, and tell us a, a little bit about it, how does it work? So Creative Schools Week is really that national celebration of the creativity that we know is bursting out of schools all over the country. We know schools are really creative places and we're really lucky to work with a group of schools in the Creative Schools programme all year round. We spend this one week in May celebrating everything that's going on. It'll look and feel different in every school because every school is so different. So some of them will be having taster workshops in wrap. 
or they might be completing a mural in their yard that they've been working on, or they might be doing something around food, or they might be doing something about music. The great thing about creative schools is it's the students in the school who help decide what they want to do, so no two schools are the same. And when would the schools have started thinking about this week and what they were going to do with the theme? Yeah, so a lot of them will have been thinking about it all year. At this time in May, it's sometimes a really nice time to look back and look at everything that you might have achieved during the year. So some schools will have exhibitions of work that they've created during the year as well happening, so it gives them a chance to celebrate all that hard work that went into it. Some schools will just decide to do something quite spur of the moment, so we've been sending them resources and ideas over the last few weeks, and we know quite a few of them are racing forward with ideas some of them are creating things outside in their yards. So we've seen some banners that schools are creating to celebrate creativity. And some of them are weaving it into their everyday activities. So they might be doing an assembly focus on creativity or they're doing some performances over lunchtime where groups of talented students are performing for their peers. Okay, so the theme is creativity lives here. And I, I presume schools can take whatever they want from that theme. But are you, are you seeing a kind of a common thread going through some of the ideas? Yeah, we're seeing still an awful lot, and I think this relates to schools kind of still um, maybe coming back to themselves after a period of closure. We're seeing an awful lot of celebrating outside. So we're seeing schools that are planning, as the weather's helping, I think, as well in this mm-hmm. in this scope. But um, we're seeing a lot of things we are planning, bringing the whole community outside to do something creative together. So they could be working on chalk all over their schoolyard, mm-hmm. or they could be having a choir performance, all of those things. The idea that creativity can bring you together as a school community, I think, is really important this year. The other theme that's really emerged really strongly from all our creative schools this year is actually food. An awful lot of our Thanks. students are uh, thinking about that area they might be doing something like a bake sale in the month of May, but they've extended that out in as many creative ways as they can. So they're having recipe writing competitions. They're having food sculpture competitions. They're using food as a kind of a kickoff into loads of other ways. And that's the brilliant thing, I suppose, about creativity, is you can make all sorts of connections once you give yourself a little bit of time to dream up some ideas. And in the creative schools that we work with, there's very often a group of students at the centre of that. They might have formed their own creative council. And it's those students who help the staff and their creative associate to really come up with some fantastically unique ideas. And like, it must be such a great experience, especially for those like particularly creative kids. It, it, and, yeah. in, and in primary schools, it must be kind of a gateway into thinking that this is, might be something that they'd this like to do. might be something for me. Mm. Yeah, we hear that a lot from the students, actually, the kind of the sense of when their school embraces creativity, that it makes students feel really at home in the space because mm. I suppose it's creativity. You can experiment, you can play. There are not always right and wrong answers. And what we're asking schools and students to do is to really explore it together to figure out what makes their school community tick, to figure out what makes the individuals in their communities tick, and also to give students an opportunity to explore art forms that maybe they've never heard of, to meet Mm -hmm. professional artists who they might then see themselves being able to follow in their footsteps. And even if it's something that they don't want to be in their professional career, access to creativity is actually a really important part of everybody's well-being and for students who have a chance to express themselves and to explore the things that are important to them through art and creativity, it really does sometimes transform a student's experience at school. 
Great. Well, it starts tomorrow, as we said. Um, it is Creative Schools Week from tomorrow. And the theme this year is Creativity Lives Here. But if you're a school that might like, like to get involved for next year, you already have a deadline kind of looming, don't you? Yeah, so we bring schools onto the programme. It's a two-year programme to work with us in Creative Schools. And each year in September, a new bunch of schools join us. But that means that they need to apply to us before the beginning of June. Okay. You can find all the details on how to apply on the Arts Council site. It's artscouncil.ie. You'll also find really good frequently asked questions. We have a team at the end of the phone or at the end of an email if you have questions about how to join the programme. And we're also running special clinics for teachers so they can come and meet us online hear how the programme works and crucially get some tips on how to apply. Great, Mags. Well, that is some great stuff starting tomorrow with Creative Schools Week. Enjoy it and thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Benedict Cumberbatch's Stephen Strange gets some spotlight after his role in the Infinity Saga and Spider-Man No Way Home. This time he's in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Brian's going to tell us all the way from the UK on his Holliers. Hello. How you doing? Good. So you went to the preview of this, did you? I did. I went to the, I went to the press screening and then I, uh, I I was sent on a plane straight away over to England so I wouldn't spot it for anybody. Sent on a plane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've had many discussions about this in the office since you've been gone because is this just... Oh, here. Let's listen to the trailer and then we'll have a chat. Here we go. Yeah. Every night... I dream the same dream. And then... The nightmare begins. I did what I had to do. To protect our world. You cannot control everything, Strange. You opened the doorway between universes. And we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda, what do you know about the multiverse? Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous. He was right. There you go. I'm going to ask you, Brian, the question that Doctor Strange just asked Wanda. What do you know about the multiverse? What is the multiverse? <laughs> Well, it's the multiverse. Well, I'd like to hear your explanation of what, ah, what you Brian. think the multiverse is first, Orla. I think it's a little bit like, you know, radio, television, print, all mixed together to make multimedia. That's like the multiverse. Oh, you see, that's actually, yeah. Oh. So, uh, so oh. okay, so mm-hmm. I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put it in terms of that you'll understand, okay? Thanks, Because Brian. it's imagine, imagine we're on air now, right? Okay. So imagine... There's different versions of us all over the different multimedia. Okay. And then it's like so there's 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 an Orla and a Brian chatting movies on telly. There's an Orla and a Brian chatting movies on, on on newspaper. Right. So basically the multiverse is all the different types of us on different types of media. There you go. But instead of like instead of like media, it's realities. You see, so yeah, so you does can, that you mean that there's it. a different Doctor Strange in another universe in this movie? There you go, you see? You're putting it together. Yay. You can. So yeah, is look that, at that Doctor now. Strange, the Doctor Strange that we saw in the Spider-Man movie? Uh, well, <laughs> one of them is. <laughs> Which one? There's a lot of different Doctor Stranges oh, throughout the movie. To okay. Be fair. We had many discussions about this uh, during the week 
here in the office about how it's gotten to the stage with the Marvel Universe. It is the Marvel Universe, isn't it? Yeah, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thank you. That I don't think I could go and see a movie because there's so many references to other movies. Even seeing Elizabeth Olsen and hear her being called Wanda made me realise I meant to know who she is. Who is she? Yeah, so this is a strange movie where I do think that you could actually jump in Okay. Having never seen an MCU movie before, okay. Because I like I always think about this because I know I know you're now to be going to ask me, can I see this having never seen any of them? Because I know you don't really get it. <laughs> no, I and don't. I feel like because Sam Raimi is directing this and it's the first one he's directed. So he directed the original three Spider-Man movies back yeah. in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's the first like Marvel Cinematic Universe movie he he directed. Okay. And I feel like he's put it. He has put his own spin on it enough that it's it's kind of like you could just watch it as a standalone film. Okay. So you might be able to just jump in. Like there are, like there's an incredible number of things you could watch in preparation for it to understand everything that's going on. But it is one of those movies where you actually can just jump in. I feel maybe there's there's different things. Maybe there's some things I just know what so many years now from all the different movies. But I feel like I feel like it's doable. So when you're talking about all the different movies, what other characters are we seeing within this multiverse? Okay, so. There's something I'm not willing to say. Okay, this um, is such a typical Marvel thing. There's always something yeah, that the, people aren't willing to say. Anyway. There's there's a lot. There's a, there's a, there's a few surprises in there. I'm going to say that. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of predictions of what those surprises are going to be. And a lot of them were wrong. Right. But the some of the surprises in there, there was audible gasps in the screening when we oh, saw. Okay, that, and that would that, be my yeah. problem. It would create no audible gasp for me. It will create no, uh, yeah, there'll be no audible gasp from you, mm-hmm. but from, from diehard Marvel people, there will be, okay. for sure, at least three or four audible gasps per screening. Okay. But uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, there's the, this, this is the second Doctor Strange movie, so there's characters from the original Doctor Strange movie mm-hmm. in it as well, mm-hmm. but, um, and that's like where most of the love platform, so if you were going to watch any movie, just the first Doctor Strange movie, just to figure out the origins of, like, the, the smaller characters. Okay. And, like, the kind of, the love part of it. Uh, who is, is Rachel McAdams? Is that the love part Rachel of it? Rachel McAdams is, okay. is the love interest. And where does she come in this? Is she got a superpower? <laughs> and her superpower is the her willingness to love. Okay. Uh, which is, I feel like, a superpower in itself. No, she's, there's also, they're multiversal uh, versions of herself as well, so... It's kind of experiencing different strangers with different uh, Rachel McAdamses. Okay. Um, is there a premise? Like, is the multiverse the premise that there's lots of different Doctor Strangers going around? Or have we got okay, more so of a story, a threat to the this, universe, I presume? Yeah. So there's, uh, it's not even a threat to the universe anymore. It's a threat to the multiverse, which okay. is all the universes. Oh, so right. it's a stepped up. I don't know where they can go from this, but it's a step up anyway. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so Doctor Strange, so this, this girl, Amer- America, appears at, at, with Doctor Strange and she has the ability to hop through multiverses. Okay. So Doctor Strange is essentially just trying to help her, like, like, sort her power. And then, like, because she has, when she's in fear, that's when the power activates. And so Doctor Strange is thrown into another multiverse and they have to try and sort themselves out from there to try and get back. But then they realize there's more steps to it and... It's a whole thing. The easiest way to, to describe the whole movie is there's a lot of madness going on and there's a lot of multiverses. Okay. Well, there's a lot in the multiverse and there's a lot of madness. So Multiverse of Madness was the perfect title for it. And did you enjoy madness, this multiverse? Madness, madness is how I describe it. 
yeah, I love Madness. You know, know me. I'm a, a big mm-hmm. fan of Madness. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot going on. It's one of those movies where it never kind of lets up. It's okay. like a it's a nonstop thrill ride for the whole t- I think it's two hours. But no uh, it's yeah, it's 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 good. I, I like it's it's one of those things where it's like I'll happily see it again because there's a lot to take in the first time. Okay, and then Benedict, I remember watching a clip from Spider Man there a few months ago and thinking, wow, he is brilliant as this character. Yeah, he, he really has that kind of like sassy doctor. Like yeah. he, he was a surgeon beforehand, so that's where he came from. Just a little bit of background for you. But like he has this kind of like strong persona. And it's, he, he's a lot of the movie is him also dealing with the fact that he does have a pretty controlling persona. And it's kind of like being more kind of laid back and understanding as well. Okay. Like, you know. And are there comedy elements in it? There is. So Sam Raimi is like, he's he's done a lot of comedy parts in his time, but like, mm. like he did like the Evil Dead thing is probably what he's most famous for. And that okay. was like comedy zombie movies. Uh-huh. So there is like, there is, there is like, it's more of a sarcastic humor than like a straight up funny, like, like laughing your head off. You're more like, like these people are just throwing in good, good burns, do you know? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, it's called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Let's give it some black puddings, which I think would fit in in a multiverse. Many yeah, black there puddings. Could, there could be like red puddings in the multiverse. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I don't even know what they would be. But anyway, how many <laughs> black puddings would you give out of ten? I'll give a, I'll give like a solid eight out of ten. Okay, good stuff. It's um, a it's a it's a it's 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 a good movie. Good good Marvel movie. Uh, it's going to be a bit divisive. I feel like people, a lot of people are going to be like, I didn't like it at all. It's and, like it's not going like I feel like people are either love it or not like it. And so. like all Marvel movies, are we set up for something else after it? Uh, can't oh. can't reveal that. Can't reveal that. That's I'm a yes. Or, uh, then that's a yes. Maybe we'll mm. see. We'll see. Okay, mm. so you are eighting or eight and a half in black pudding wise. I give it an eight. Okay, eight black puddings out of ten for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and of course Doctor Strange is Benedict Cumberbatch himself. Lots of other stars in there, including Rachel McAdams and um, Elizabeth Olsen as well in yeah. there. Yeah, and a few more that you can't say. I think Wikipedia has said it already, Brian, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah, there's a few websites that yeah, have said it already. Yeah. But I, w- I'd, I'd recommend going in completely blind. Don't okay. even watch the trailer yeah, if, you, if you can it. help it. Do try it. Brilliant. Thanks a million. Enjoy the rest no of your weekend. Bye-bye. See ya. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.